Welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Ecklebarger. Today we get to go to the other side of the pond. Yes, merry old England. And we get to go there with Bob Hope in the Bob Hope Show. This is episode number 498, which originally aired on June 5th, 1951. Here now is Bob Hope from the Prince of Wales Theatre in London, England, with his special guest, Jerry Desmond. The Bob Hope Show, transcribed direct from the stage of the Prince of Wales Theatre, London, England, with Les Brown and his band of renown. Yours truly, hi, Everback. Our special guests, Jerry Desmond and Marilyn Maxwell. And here he is, the man whose nose has a Waterloo Bridge, Bob Hope. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, sir, here we are in England, and I know I'm in England. This morning, my stomach got up two hours earlier than I did and had a cup of tea. <laughs> but it's really been wonderful here. I didn't expect the Queen to meet me at the dock, and I didn't expect him to drive me up to London, and I didn't expect to be staying at Buckingham Palace. And so far, it's worked out that way. <laughs> there were thousands of people cheering when I landed at Southampton, but the whole reception was ruined when a horrible thing happened. My blonde wig fell off, and they found out I wasn't Danny Kaye. <laughs> yes, sir, Danny's an old friend of mine. He always comes to see me when he visits America. <laughs> I saw Danny's dressing room this afternoon at the Palladium. That's the American Embassy. And, uh... <laughs> saw his dressing room. It was a very simple thing. Two mirrors and a throne. My father, Mr. Crosby, was here last year. He didn't work. He was trying to get some hair under the health plan. <laughs> Old Dad had a wonderful time, and he really got around the continent. He traveled so much, I didn't know where to send his care packages. <laughs> there are three American ships in port here, and I got the Navy over here in the audience tonight. Yes, sir. 3,000 miles from home and they still can't get away from me. <laughs> I'm the guest of the British government while I'm here, but they put me in a hotel I've never heard of before. What's the Tower of London? <laughs> they tell me about all the people who lost their heads there, and I can believe it. The towels in the bathroom were marked his, hers, and oh, you're not with us anymore, are you? <laughs> well, anyway, my brother's over here. He's making a fortune over here. He sells Buckingham Palace all their talcum for the changing of the guard. <laughs> and these British people baffle me. How could they all learn to drive on the wrong side of the street when they've never been to California? 
The first day here, I was so excited, I rented a car and went for a drive. I forgot, though. I, I thought I was an American, drove on the right side of the street. Has anyone seen a bus with a Jaguar on the top deck? <laughs> and everyone's so polite over here in England. This morning in the elevator at the Savoy, I stepped on a man's foot. I said, I'm sorry. He said, entirely my fault, old chap. I had no business having a leg on that side. Stage screen radio in the Air Force, lovely Marilyn Maxwell. I'll show you how to own the moon and how to bounce the world just like a toy balloon. I'll show you how to have your and help yourself to wishes on a silver train. Someday we'll fly to Bally High or any other island you would like to buy. You can travel cheap when you're fast asleep cause it doesn't cost a dime to dream. We'll line our walls with dollar bills. And use the wrinkled ones to wipe our windowsills. Pour our old champagne down the kitchen drain. No, it, no, it doesn't, doesn't cost a dime to drink. We will call at the president's family residence. Pay off the national debt. How much you need, kid? And if we find the president slightly hesitant, we'll, we'll say we have a lot left yet. A fancy home. Why, that's a snap. To get from room to room, we'll have to have a map. Just to see this prize, only close your eyes. It doesn't cost a dime to dream. We'll have a dog. So neat and trim. We'll have a butler and a footman just for him. Call the U.S. Mint. What we need, they'll print. It doesn't cost a dime to dream. We'll have a maid. Who has a maid? Who has a maid to serve the two maids lemonade. We will spend our dough just like H2O. Red a town in Spain just to entertain. We will splash with them in the social swim. Be the finest fishes in the stream. So now let's go to sleep. Count some pedigree cheap. Cause it doesn't cost a dime. Thank you, Marilyn. That song was jolly well done. Good show. Bob, <laughs> Bob. Wizard. You certainly changed a lot since we came to England. Oh, you've noticed it, huh? Oh, yes. You, you seem so sophisticated. Well, this is England. You have to be suave. Can I take you out to dinner? I'm British. Yes, but there's only one thing wrong, Bob. What's that? 
Well, when you take me home in a cab, you turn American on me. You got me wrong. I was just crouching to snarl at the meter. It may interest you to know that I've met quite a few English girls here, and I've passed myself off successfully as an Englishman. You mean you started using a fork? <laughs> Only to pick my teeth. But I've discovered... I've discovered the secret, Marilyn. It's all in the way you dress. You ought to see me when I'm dressed in my British togs. The other day, I grabbed my walking stick, put on my top hat, tweed underwear. <laughs> then I put a dash of marmalade behind each ear. Did you meet a girl? No, but a cocker spaniel followed me down Regent Street with a hungry look and a piece of toast. Well, Bob, do you really have some nice British clothes? Oh, top slot. <laughs> I have doe skin gloves, tapasol vest. I think I have one of those. And I have uh, tapasol, you know, and... Uh, Cutaway pants. Oh, Bob, you mean cutaway coat. No, cutaway pants. I only wear them on foggy nights. Now, look. <laughs> I met a lovely girl just the other night. Her name is Googie Pamela Chadwick Sheffield, Pensington Shanks, Twickingham, Westminster. <laughs> She's Norwegian. Well, how did you meet her, Bob? Oh, it was very simple. I was strolling through the park. She was strolling through the park. I tipped my hat. She smiled. And the Bobby introduced us in the paddy wagon. <laughs> Wagon. Yeah, that's the Tower of London on wheels. <laughs> I'm picking up the language pretty fast. Hey, what? <laughs> well, some of the British expressions are very different from ours, aren't they, Bob? Yes, it was pretty tough to catch on to. I went into a shop the other day and asked for a pair of suspenders. They were the smallest ones I ever saw in my life. <laughs> In America, suspenders are things that hold up men's trousers. Here in England, suspenders are the things that hold up your socks. Oh, I wondered why it took so long to get them over my shoulders. <laughs> now, hey, by the way, Bob, who's your guest tonight? Well, Marilyn, we found out that there are two American destroyers in the Thames, so we invited the... <laughs> Glad to have you aboard. Anyway, our guest is one of the personnel of the USS Perry. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Seaman First Class Charles Hammer of Louisville, Kentucky. Well, welcome to the show, Charles. Thanks, everybody, and hiya, Bob. Well, Sailor, I guess you never expected to be on my radio show. I bet in all your years in the Navy, you've never done anything like this before. That's right. Until now, I've had a clean record. <laughs> Careful, kid. I'm an American taxpayer. <laughs> more of that talk, and I can get you fired out of the Navy, you know. Oh, gee, Bob, don't do that. Then I wouldn't have anything to do but go home and lay around the house in those old civilian clothes. I rehearsed him two hours, and he still can't make it sound convincing. Bob, if you're not going to introduce me, I'll introduce myself. Charles, I'm Marilyn Maxwell. Gee, meeting you's a big thrill, Miss Maxwell. It isn't often I get a chance to meet such a rugged serviceman. Well, 
explain why I'm not in the service. My draft board just put me in 4Z. I stay home and take care of the wounded women. You know, Charles, I've never been on a destroyer. You haven't, Marilyn? Neither have I. I said I've never been on a destroyer at all. Uh, you haven't, Marilyn? Either there's a line missing from my script or he's deaf in one ear. Well, what's it like on a destroyer, Charles? Have you ever been in a storm? Yeah, we were in some weather a while back. And the waves over the bow got to be about 30 foot high. You were in a storm and the waves were 30 feet high? Sure. The drain of my bathtub was stopped up this morning. What do you do in a storm like that? Well, we lash everything down securely and ride it out. I got a long wire and fished around the drain. <laughs> and what do you think was stopping up the pipe? Gee, sailor, you must be a brave man. Oh, no more than anybody. What do you think was stopping up the pipe? Was a pair of my... <laughs> was a pair of my shorts. <laughs> I would have frozen if I hadn't been wearing an extra long T-shirt. Bob. Yeah? Would you mind not interrupting us while we're talking? Now, look, just because you're in a sailor suit, don't get tough with me. No? Why not? I'm warning you, when I get into a fight, I see red. Oh, you see red, do you? Yeah, it's the only color of blood I've got. with Charles. Don't forget he's your guest. Yeah, that's right. I apologize, Charles. Is there anything I can do to make it up to you? Well, yes, Bob, there's one thing. If you don't mind, while I'm on the radio, I'd like to speak to my dad. Well, I'd love to let you do that, sailor, but there's a rule about personal messages over the air. They won't let you do it unless it's tremendously important, a real emergency. Well, Bob, this is a real emergency. Well, it has to be a matter of life and death. It is. Oh, well, that's different. Go right ahead. Okay. Hello, Dad. Send some more. <laughs> That's the biggest double cross since Crosby gave me a phone number over here. Well, Charles, Charles, do you feel better now that you've talked to your father? Yeah, that was swell of you, Bob. Thanks. Oh, it's perfectly all right, Chuck. After all, when two Americans are so far away from home, they should do everything they can for each other. What else can I do for you, sailor? Well, thanks, Bob, but I can't think of anything. Oh, come on, anything at all. Would you like to kiss Marilyn? I sure would. Well, go right ahead. Gee, thanks, Bob. Not at all. Did you like it? Yeah, it was swell. Uh, now, would you like to kiss her? May I? <laughs> sure, go right ahead. Hello, Dad. Send some more. <laughs> is, if they can't get it any other way, they write it into the script. <laughs> Thank you, Charles.
Alzheimer of the USS Perry. Ladies and gentlemen, during previous visits to England, I had the pleasure of enjoying the incomparable humor of the great British comedian, the late Sid Field. Tonight, we're fortunate in having our special guest, his partner, another great favorite here in Britain, Mr. Jerry Desmond. Thank you very much, and thank you too, Bob. Well, now, tell me, what do you think of your reception here at the Prince of Wales Theatre? Oh, it's wonderful, Jerry, and I was particularly flattered that Princess Margaret came to see me. It was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, I could see her out in the audience, and she and her party were laughing at everything. Yes, Princess Margaret is a wonderful girl. She wouldn't hurt your feelings for anything. <laughs> now, wait a second, Jerry. Don't give the wrong impression. If I'm not popular over here, why has the theater been jammed every day since I opened? Oh, well, there is an explanation, Bob, but I'd rather not tell you what it is. Well, go ahead. Why, why do the British people come to see me? Well, it's the meat rationing. It's been years since they've seen so much ham. <laughs> but actually, Jerry, being in England is like coming home for me. Really? Yeah, I was born over here. I was four years old at the time. <laughs> Wait a minute now. You were four years old when you were born? Yeah, I was on a kind of socialized medicine. <laughs> My mother couldn't get waited on. back to my own neighborhood yesterday, and the house I was born in had been bombed out. Oh. Jerry, how could it happen that my house was the only one on the street that was destroyed by bombs? Simple, Bob. The British are quite famous for their accuracy. <laughs> but I've often wondered, Bob, how did it happen that you left England? Well, it's quite a story, Jerry. I'll never forget. It all began when I was in the second grade at grammar school. send for me, Headmaster. Yes, Robert. I should like a little talk with you. What is it, sir? You've been in the second grade a long time now, haven't you? <laughs> yes, sir. Why, sir? If you were any other student, I'd have you expelled. Well, why don't you expel me? I can't. I've got too much respect for my elders. <laughs> well, I'm not that old. Hope you're the only student we ever had in the second grade with hardening of the arteries. <laughs> That wouldn't be so bad, but you're probably one of the dumbest students I've ever seen. True, true. <laughs> Hope, as you know, an excellent grade in this school is 90, a passing grade is 80, and a failing grade is 70. I know, sir. What did you get on your last test? Six. <laughs> Six? How can you possibly be so stupid? How can you allow yourself to be a moron, an idiot, an illiterate, a fool? How can you? I like it. <laughs> I'm afraid that, as they say in America, you don't have all your marbles. <laughs> and therefore, I'm forced to expel you from this school. Don't press it, old man. <laughs> oh, I'll never be able to face my father, sir. I'll have to leave home. Well, perhaps it would be better that way. Personally, I'll miss you around the school. You will? Yes, your head was the best pencil sharpener I ever had. <laughs> Run along now, Robert. Peter. Peter, are you there? Yes, son. Home to school already. Oh, yes, sir. And I have rather bad news. The headmaster expelled me today. Oh, that's dreadful. What happened? He said I don't have all my marbles. <laughs> that, my boy, was a cruel remark. Certainly you have all your marbles. It's just that some of them are chipped a little. <laughs> hey, 
Junior, there's only one thing left to do. I've been disgraced, and I'm leaving for America tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, son, if you have any regard for your old pater, you will show your consideration for me by doing me one favor. What's that? Leave today. <laughs> you don't have to read it that well. Very well, I shall. I'll go to America at once. But what will you do there? Oh, there's work over there. I was looking in an American newspaper, and I saw several ads. For what? They're looking for people to vote Republican. <laughs> What on earth is a Republican? That's a Democrat with his anchor dragging. <laughs> well, I can't say that I'm really happy about your leaving home, Robert. I have six sons, but I think you know that you're my favorite. I am? Yes, I'm a man who likes the simple things. <laughs> but uh, one word of advice, son. Yes, sir? There are lots of women in America, and because you're young, they'll try to take advantage of you. Don't be surprised if you meet a girl and on your very first date she tries to kiss you and hug you and make love to you. Yes, sir. And if you should meet such a girl... Yes? Send me a wire and the plane fare. <laughs> I'm not going to bother with girls. I'm going to remain true to my sweetheart, Marilyn. In fact, I'd better say goodbye to her right now. Just a moment, son, before you go. Here's something I want you to have. For me? Yes, it was handed down to me by my father. And he told me to give it to whichever one of my sons needed it most. So I'm giving it to you. Gee, a gift certificate to a plastic surgeon. <laughs> so long, Dad. Mary Lane, I asked you to the sweet shop because I have something very important to tell you. What is it, Robert? <laughs> You've gone mad, haven't you? You've flipped it, old girl. <laughs> Well, Mary Lynn, I've decided to go to America. Oh, Robert, you can't. We've been going together for five years. That's true. When I first met you, I didn't even know what a girl was. And that was five years ago. That's right. Now will you tell me? <laughs> oh, Robert, you're upsetting all our plans. You said that someday we'd get married and have children. Well, we will. I'll, I'll come back for you. In the first year, we'll have a little girl. The second year, a little boy. And what about the third year? The third year, let's have something different. <laughs> the Sears Roebuck for a catalog. Well, <laughs> well, if you must go, I guess you must, Robert. Yes, and uh, promise me one thing. Oh, don't worry. I won't go out with any other fellows. Now you promise me. All right, I promise. Well, what? I won't go out with any of the fellows either. <laughs> oh, I knew it, Robert. You'll forget me in six months. No, I won't, Mary Lee, and I'll write you every day. But you'll be so busy trying to get settled. No, I won't. I'll write you every day. And you'll start going out with all those pretty American girls that look like movie stars. Well? You just dried up the ink in my fountain pen. <laughs> Don't worry, Mary Lee, and I'll remain true to you, and I'll make good in America. Well, if you really want to make good in America, I understand there's some excellent opportunities if you join the United States Navy. <laughs> The Navy? Yes, I hear it's a wonderful life. You know I'm leaving you just in time? But why? You don't have all your marbles either. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
Jerry Desmond was born James Robert Sadler in 1908 in England. His parents were music hall performers, and he started working on the stage at age 11, and his early career was in musical theater. Then in 1942, he teamed up with comedian Sid Field. Desmond was the straight man, and they became one of the most popular British comedy teams of all time. I've included a link to a YouTube video of one of their sketches in the show notes on our website. Watching their comedy routine kind of reminds me of Abbott and Costello a little bit, with Desmond being the straight man like like Bud Abbott, and Sid Field being the uh, funny guy like Costello. Unfortunately, Sid Field died of a heart attack in 1950, and their team was broken up. During the 1950s and 1960s, Desmond made movies, worked in the theater, and on television, so he kept very busy. Jerry Desmond died in 1967, following bouts of severe depression after the death of his wife the previous year in 1966. Desmond sadly took his own life by gas poisoning. He was 58. Please send your questions and comments to host at classiccomedyotr.com. Come back next Wednesday for another episode of The Bob Hope Show. And check in on Friday for the next installment of The Life of Riley. Until we meet again, in the words of Seneca, Difficulties strengthen the mind as labor does the body.